2: Coming up on The Rub. Two great uh, chef cooks from your... Well, I think one's a home cook, one's a chef coming out of Memphis uh, uh, so there's a uh, 20% chance that uh, there's going to be a Memphis uh, world champion uh, right after the final table so uh, good luck to, the, to those folks.
3: Oh yeah you've hit the nail on the head with, with Mongolia um, that was the most different the most foreign to us um, the most completely different in terms of like that taste profile that we're familiar with um, it was just fascinating like the whole process of the way they prepare and cook the meat um, for those that have seen Film, they'll, they'll know what I'm talking
4: about. I don't know if I've been accepted yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we accept
0: you, Brad. Come on. Oh, okay, good. I'm yeah, in. You're a I'm friend in. of the show.
5: <laughs> That's right. That is true. From the backyard to competition cooking, this is a show about barbecue, grilling, recipes, and more. This is The Rub. And now from Memphis Barbecue Supply, here's Jimmy Shotwell.
4: Welcome to the premiere of season two of The Rub. I'm with Forrest Goodman, as we're coming to you from the studios of 600 WREC 92.1 FM from the barbecue capital of the world, Memphis,
5: Tennessee. And we're proud to announce this is season two of the show. And Jimmy, with season two, we've seen some growth and we've seen a few changes. First off, different surroundings. We're <laughs> now in a radio studio instead of our podcast studio. And we're now more than just a podcast. You'll also be able to hear the show on the radio, 600 WREC at 92.1 FM. I uh, know. I mean, we're, we're we're big time now. We're, yeah. We,
4: we've got a window. We've got a window well, in the right studio. So we can sing outside now. The old studios that we used to have, yeah, it was in the little closet back in the, off the library. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was kind of scary, but great. But now we've got a window we can see out of. We're kind of professional. We've got computers that we can use here. So we're looking forward to being here for Season 2. Season 1 was outstanding. It was a learning experience for us to get rock and rolling on that. And then uh, now we're on Season 2, and uh, we are growing. Hey, we're also award-winning. I was going to say Season
5: 1 was also an award-winning season for us in our rookie year getting recognized
4: by the NBBQA. Yeah, we got the audio series Award of Excellence, first place at the MBBQA conference. And the MBBQA is a national barbecue association. Mm-hmm. So it was our peers. I mean, we're talking about... Um, Myron was actually there. Uh, Mo oh, your so, buddy, Myron Mixon. Brad. I mean, everybody, our, our peers were there, and they were the one who judged it, and it was judged against not just podcasts and audio series here in the U.S., but around the world. I met some guys from Australia that had a podcast. Uh, we saw Greg Grantby of course, there. Yeah, so, friend of the show. Friend of the show. So so it was a fun time down there, and it was, uh, yeah, if you've seen Facebook and saw my face, I was a tad bit happy that
5: night. You were, and uh, we're both excited to uh to have that award, and uh, it makes last season, the 26, 27 episodes we put into last season, well worth it. Well, this is season two, and we're going to be busy this year doing the same thing that we did for you last season, talking about barbecue, talking about competition cooking, talking about outdoor cooking. Coming up on this, the season premiere of our show, if you've got Netflix, there's a documentary about barbecue, simply titled Barbecue. Matt Sala directed, Rose Tucker produced, they put this together, they join us later in the show. Brad Orison, another friend of the show, he's with The Shed in South Mississippi. He is here as he prepares to come to Memphis in May to the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest, a place that he
4: has seen success before at, Jimmy. Yes, he has. He's won a couple of times. But let's start Season 2 off with Mike McLeod from the World Food Championships, where two Minthians will be at the big event in Bentonville, Arkansas on April 21st and 22nd.
2: We're really excited about the final table and you're right, two, uh Memphians, I guess it, that's hard to say three times fast, right? <laughs> two great uh, chefs, cooks from your... Well, I think one's a home cook, one's a, a chef coming out of Memphis. Uh, uh, so there's a... Uh, 20% chance that uh, there's going to be a Memphis uh, world champion right after the final table. So uh, good luck to, the, to those folks. I guess what it taught me and what it should teach your your listeners is that Memphis may be known for barbecue, but <laughs> my goodness, Memphians know uh, burgers and they know steak really well. So we should rename Memphis. It should be the protein capital of, of
5: <laughs> Oh, I like, th- I like that. You know, Mike, we had a chance to talk to one of those winners last year, and you mentioned she was a home cook. I mean, this was someone who just was wanting to learn to cook for her family and, and cook outside and her husband was part of a team and uh she got in there and 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 learned the ins and outs and i think this was a great example just to show that someone anybody if they get in can get in there and do well in the world food championship
2: i'm absolutely thrilled that uh, our platform is becoming a springboard not only for for chefs well-trained individuals in, in the kitchen but for home cooks and for professional cook teams you know those three constituents are the are the people who make up the passion of what we call food sport. And this year we have a good balance, a good mixture of all three at the final table. It's always uh, exciting to see. Um, it's like every every sport out there, right? There's always a dark horse. There's always a Cinderella story. And in our view, a home cook who enters the World Food Championships for the first time and ascends to the top ten and then ascends to the to the category championship has really pulled off a feat. It's kind of like the Chris MoneyMaker moment in the World Series of Poker. Yeah. Uh, many years ago. It proves that uh, on any given day with a level playing field, if you bring your A game and you execute well, you can ascend to the throne. And that's what the World Food Championships is really all about. It's it's a platform for people to prove they are great at some category of food. And now we'll see which one of the 10 champions are going to take home the $100,000 prize purse.
4: Does that really surprise me when we started looking at the field and who was out there cooking, that the two folks from Memphis was Lisa. Guatney who won steak, and then Tommy Shive, who won burger barbecue. The, that winner came out of Texas. So yeah. it was really interesting, the crowd. You had 120, I think, teams down there cooking barbecue last year. Um, yeah,
2: we had some of the best in the world, and they came from Texas uh, because we had a big IBCA contest, which is Texas-driven. Uh, we had a KCBS contest, obviously, which uh, brought out the, the, the pros from, from Missouri and Kansas and Southeast to um, to see a, a Texas uh, barbecue bitmaster go through what we call the first dual dual championship that's another uh th- say a three times fast challenge was exciting uh, it brought a whole new level of um intrigue to our barbecue championship and uh, you better believe that that guy knows his stuff i, I don't know if the judges um celebrity judges realize oh, what a tough job they're going to they're going to face um, on on April twenty second, but we have five incredible uh, culinary judges. We have um, Katie Dixon. I don't know if you know her, but she's a, a Master Chef uh, season um, contestant and just super human being out of Mississippi. And then we have uh, a venture capitalist in the food space, Mark Massey. Uh, we have Mo on. Everybody knows Mo. Big Mo. Yeah, um, big, everybody knows big, Mo. Big Mo. You know, barbecue pit master. He, I, I tend to always make sure we have a, a, a barbecue professional on on the table to make just to make sure our barbecue's on point because for novices who try competition barbecue for the first time they get blown away so yeah. i just want to make sure we have an expert on on the table and and we've had Q and myron mixon and and uh, chris lilly before and this time it's mo kason Kason's turn all,
5: all big but award winners when it comes to barbecue by the way
2: so they know what right. they're doing people People who know their stuff. Uh, there's, there's, um, there's a reason <laughs> to this madness. Well, last but not least, we got Bo Jackson, yes. uh, two-time uh, uh, sport all-star athlete, uh, and from Auburn. As we, as uh, those of us from Tennessee remember him <laughs> running <laughs> over our team years and years ago. Well, now he's going to run over uh, these dishes. Uh, He's actually a great foodie. He's got uh, several lines of food that he works to the food service angle. Uh, So he knows his stuff. Bo knows food. How about that?
5: Mike, you know, Bentonville's only a five-hour drive from Memphis, so Jimmy and I will volunteer if you need more judging.
2: Gosh, well, come on up, and and I'll just – we'll we'll judge in the green room. How about that? Uh, Hey, look, as long as
5: I get to sample some of this stuff from these people who are world food champions, I'm good with it.
2: You guys come up, and I guarantee you you'll sample. Well, we'll – We'll walk in uh, behind the scenes. These 10 champions now will be able to cook in a professional environment. They're going to be uh, secluded. They're going to be in a room that, is, uh, that has a bank of windows and we're going to have cameras in there capturing the content so people at the facility will be able to see, see what's going on, but they will not be interrupted. That's where I'll give you guys special access if you want to come up. We'll uh-huh. uh, we'll, we'll walk in and we'll taste what the, what's going on as long as we don't interrupt what they're doing and, and uh, ruin their chance at $100,000. We don't want, none of you want or I want to be uh, no, lame no. for that one.
5: Now, last year when they were getting started with this World Food Championship, Jimmy, I know you made the trip down to Florida where you competed in this. What was that like?
4: Yeah, actually, we competed twice down at World Food down in down Orange Beach. It was it was great atmosphere. The weather was wonderful, but it was intimidating. I mean, you look good at Memphis May; you've got three hundred teams you're competing against mm-hmm. at World Food. Just the barbecue portion, you've got a hundred. Plus teams, about 120, I think, last year that are cooking barbecue. That's not counting the other 300 teams that are cooking in steak and the other teams are cooking in sandwich and all those other categories. So to be somewhat intimidated, it was a massive event, but it was a great time. Mike and his crew at MMA who put on the World Food did a great job organizing it and it was a a great time. I can't wait to go this year, 2019, but uh, this year, instead of going to cooking, I think I may go down there either judge or I may go down there just use that media pass. Now in judging, there's all different kind of categories. This is more
5: than just barbecue. There's several different categories there. So if, yeah, I'm thinking judging may be the right thing. I may have to get in on that with you. Yeah,
4: we got you we've got we got to get you certified because they have certified judges down there on that eat uh, methodology. But uh, yeah, I, Look, and- have you seen me lately? I'm certified. <laughs> I know how to eat. Okay. <laughs> True, you are certified. Now, we don't know what you're certified, but you're certified. Uh,
5: Certified in eating. I can handle it. Up next on The Rub, we all love to binge on Netflix, and sometimes we do binge on barbecue. That's a combo we'll talk about with the makers behind
4: the documentary, Barbecue. You're listening to the award winning podcast and now radio show, The Rub, on 600 WRAC and 92.1 FM.
5: This is The Rub.
4: The popularity of barbecue in the process of preparing barbecue has exploded in not just the US, but around the world. Yep. And
3: okay, round
4: two. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
5: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited the
1: bylaw. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: And it's that popularity, Jimmy, that grabbed the attention of a couple of filmmakers from Australia. And they went on to put together a documentary called Barbecue. You can find it on Netflix.
4: Matt Sally and Rose Tucker put it together.
1: You know, it's interesting. In Australia, uh, we sort of have our version of barbecue, which is just basically a, a really basic form of grilling, nothing special. Um, and, you know, so that's, we, we grew up knowing, because we're from Australia, we, we thought that's all that barbecue is. And it was actually about four or five years ago when we did a big road trip uh, through uh, Texas and went through Central Texas and, you know, discovered what American barbecue could be all about. And we actually shot a little short film while we were there, chatting to pitmasters, hearing stories. And that kind of, that short film really inspired us, and the, the short film did pretty well, and people started asking what we wanted to do next. And so we said, well, how about that around the world? And... Uh, Some people said yes, so that's what we did.
4: And you literally went around the world. You just didn't hit those typical hot spots. You went everywhere from the border of Syria to South Africa, of course Australia and the U.S. But So I've got to ask this of both of y'all. And I I got a little inside knowledge. I saw y'all at the National Barbecue Association talking (laughs) about this. So where was the... Best place that you went Not food well, Just best place that you went On this trip
3: Oh that's such a that's Such a hard question To answer But I think the most Surprising place for me Was Armenia Because it's a really Really small country That I personally Knew nothing about um, It's a long way away From us in Australia We don't have A much uh, We don't have a huge Armenian community In Australia So it was a complete Sort of a learning Experience for us But the the people The culture The food um, The vodka <laughs> everything about Armenia, was, uh, it was just such a good time.
4: And that was an interesting way they were cooking the food in Armenia. And I'm not going to spoil the movie, but its it was just a different way of them cooking, preparing it. But the one thing there was about family. And did you see that thing go out through the entire movie?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Um, this film was sort of, um, I guess, we had a bit of a concept about how Uh, a bit of an idea about how, you know, um, meat and fire is this way that people sort of gather around almost in this tribal way and, and bring together families and communities. That's what we saw in America. That's definitely what we see in Australia. And when we were researching the film, we kind of just started talking to anyone, every Uber driver, every family friend, anyone we could find... And this theme kept reoccurring, which was, yeah, if the weather's good, the sun's out, and you want to like bring a community together, you start a fire, you gather around, and you you sort of you know tell stories and. So we went around the world to sort of discover whether that was true and we that's definitely what we found you know everywhere we went you know from South Africa to Sweden there, there was a, a, a gathering a gathering of family and community around a fire.
5: Depending on where you're at in the United States and you ask about barbecue you get a different definition. I can't imagine what it's like to visit different cultures around the world and how one defines barbecue here may be different than the next one. What did you guys find?
3: Exactly, and I know that there's a lot of diehard barbecue fans that, uh, you know, they, they think of it in one way and that's the only way, but what we wanted to do with this film was basically open it up to the people and ask them and say, well, in your culture, what is barbecue? And the answers were incredibly different all around the world. So we wanted to be as broad as possible with that definition to try and sort of open people's ideas up to the fact that there's more than one way of doing things and even though the method might be different, Difference. the reasons for doing it are the same
1: and, and i should also mention that just like in america every single person or every single type of barbecue they all think they're the best and the only way it should be done so that definitely that definitely uh, transcends cultural borders
5: of course come to memphis and we'll tell you our barbecue is the best in the world here
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing we noticed is it's it's impossible for someone to cook a barbecue without someone else looking over their shoulder, (laughs) instructing (laughs) them on how it could be done better. That is an absolute universal truth. (laughs) Well, there was
4: one really interesting part of the movie in South Africa where usually in each of the countries you were just showing one family, but Africa, South South Africa, you were showing two different total dynamics there. You had a middle class family, then you had um, a lower-class income family uh, that were both cooking and grilling out, one has a business. So tell me about that aspect, that dynamic.
1: Yeah, um, it was interesting. South Africa, which is the first country uh, in the film, is kind of like a microcosm of this whole idea of just sort of the different ways that people do things. And, and this idea that we wanted to explore that people that you might think are very different actually have more in common than you think. So the, the barbecue styles in the white community it's braai, which is this very sort of like, you know, um, like you said, middle class gathering around the fire kind of like all night thing. And then in the in the black communities is uh, Shisanyama, which is often done by small businesses as a way to be entrepreneurs in your community. And Because of um, historical reasons, things like apartheid, in South Africa, those communities are very separate, and there's still a long way to go to sort of bring those communities closer together. And what we found really interesting is that each community knew very little about the other, but then when we went into them, we actually found like, um, you know, it may look very different the way that they do barbecue, and the style might be very different, but once again, it comes back to those reasons, and the reasons were very, very similar.
4: (laughs) I mean, y'all traveled all over the place and had some really good food. Now, I did remember the most cringeworthy portion of the movie was Mongolia. Um, for me personally, I was sitting there watching that, and it was very interesting how they were cooking some of that food. Um, and I, y'all told some, some some nice little stories at the National Barbecue Association about that portion of the trip. Um, what was the most challenging thing for you guys to, to, to eat on this road trip?
3: Oh, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head with with Mongolia. Um, That was the most different, the most foreign to us, um, the most completely different in terms of, like, taste profile that we're familiar with. Um, It was... Just fascinating. Like the whole process is the way they prepare and cook the meat. Um, for those that have seen the film, they'll they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but you know, it's it's really primal. It's really back to basics. Um, and and but yet they really wanted to share that with us. So we had we ate everything. We we got we were very enthusiastic about everything that was put in front of us. And that's the only way you can be. You have got to you got to get out of your comfort zone and give things a go. <laughs> but what's
1: what's really interesting is is um, you know for people that are interested in the actual food side of it is that Mongolians don't bleed their meat like pretty much every other culture in the world does, which gives it quite a, what, uh, to my Western palate, I would call quite a, an off taste to it, like almost like a putrid taste, but that's what they love. That's what they consider flavor. And so if they were to eat a really nice grilled ribeye here in, uh, in America, they'd think it's bland because it doesn't have that, that, that funky taste to it. So just a, just an example of just how, how different um, different people can be.
4: So you guys spent, what, about two, three years on the road filming all this in 4K and getting some beautiful shots. I mean, Some of these shots were just amazing. I could almost turn the sound off and just watch the video. But you traveled for the, all this time, and you got this package and ready to go. How did you come out with the film? Would you do it, I think I did it in Australia first. Is that right?
1: Uh, well, yeah, so we're from Australia, and we've recently moved to the U.S., so we're in the U.S. now. But basically we moved over here with um, – the film under our, you know, under our shoulders, ready to, um, uh, ready to release. We didn't know, we had nothing planned basically, but we were hoping that we were on a good thing. And then we got really fortunate, and we were accepted into uh, the South by Southwest. Um, Film festival down there in Austin. In fact, we were the first film to play. Uh, technically, the uh, the opening film was a Ryan Gosling film, but we asked them if we could just start half an hour early, and we actually pulled up with uh, Black Barbecue from Lockhart there, and we uh, we uh, served barbecue up to our audience and the entire audience of the Ryan Gosling film. So we 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 got we, we kick started it off in a in a really good way, and it was it was also really great to be able to bring the film back to Texas. But from that, Netflix saw it and. Uh, took an interest in it and picked it up and they wanted to uh, release it worldwide to, uh, I think, 200 million people and, and they translated it into another 20 languages so they just helped kept that Keep that global uh, perspective going on the film.
5: Do you feel you left enough out there, and there's still enough out there where there, we can see a sequel to this barbecue 2?
1: Oh, this could be this could be a lifelong thing. You know, I think there are, we we tend to get about one email a week with somebody uh, telling us we forgot to go to, a, to forgot to go to their country. So, uh, so yeah, there's definitely there's, we definitely got a list list going.
3: Yeah, it was very hard deciding it was deciding where not to film was actually the challenge. We could have just kept kept going forever and ever and ever. I mean, as documentary filmmakers, you're always looking for subjects or people that are passionate about something because they make for really great interview subjects. And barbecue is one of those things that people get really fired up about. (laughs) So in terms of when you're looking for, you know, a community to, to make a story about, barbecue people are just Amazing, you know, everyone's passionate. Everyone's, you know, got their opinions on how to do things. Um, it's something that people get really patriotic about.
1: We knew that there was this, this sort of special thing about, like, get, gather, just something that makes people gather and just gets really passionate. You see that look in people's eyes when they start talking about their their local cuisine, and we just—it was. I think just over time, we just became. Very aware of how passionate people were about it.
3: And as for us, we're we are terrible cooks. You know, like we're pretty pretty bad. <laughs> but we are we're, we're eaters, not cookers. So let's just say we've always had a, a, an obsession with eating food and eating barbecue. Um, but in terms of cooking it ourselves, we leave it to the experts. <laughs>
5: It's Matt Sally, Rose Tucker. Their documentary is called Barbecue. Again, you can find it on Netflix. Jimmy, you watched this. What did you find unique about it as you looked at barbecue cooking around the world?
4: Well, first off, I had to step back for a second. That, they were talking about how everybody's like, that's not barbecue. Yeah. I started watching the movie. I was like, that's not barbecue. That's grilling." Oh, you I, fell into it. Yeah. I fell into it, and then I, went, I had to step back for a second because this is the culture of outdoor cooking that we love and we talk about. So I can't be less critical on that and I'm trying to be better, but some of those methods were low and slow. Mm-hmm. Some of them were direct fire. Some of them were, were were uses of fire to cook different styles of meats. But, man, I tell you what, the photography, and, the, and the, I mean, I could have sat there with the mute button on and just watched that movie. Yes, there's some food porn on there, but also there's just some... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of
5: a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino stuff games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw group prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus oh, oh, oh,
2: O'Reilly. you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts need them fast we've got fast
4: beautiful shots on there. It's shot in 4K so it is just absolutely clear and beautiful. Did you get any ideas of some things you want to try? Yeah, there's a couple of things on there I want to try. There's a couple of things I definitely will never try. <laughs> uh, and, and, and For those who haven't watched the movie, go watch it in Mongolia. When that comes up, you'll know what we're talking about there. Okay. There's, there's some interesting shots there and how they prepare their food that was uh, kind of um, cringeworthy uh, almost. But it was cooking with fire. It was cooking with hot... T- Cooking outdoor, it was great. No, they were talking about the 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 family down in New Zealand. Man, that you want to talk about family and outdoor cooking? That was them hanging out, preparing the great grandchildren. The grandchildren, the kids, everybody working together and I sit there and go man, that that, that is wonderful that is family get together and cooking
5: awesome, awesome, I'll to check that out, it's called Barbecue, it's on Netflix, coming up The Shed serves blues and barbecue on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, they're also a
4: championship cooking team right here in Memphis Is Brad Orson prepared for Memphis in May? If you know him, that's a good question He joins us <laughs> next on The Rub on 600 WREC 92.1 FM
1: this is the robber
4: The countdown is on to the World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest, part of Memphis in May next month. Now, I know this is a dumb question, but Jimmy, will you be there cooking? (laughs) We have our site secured. We are ready to cook some ribs down at Memphis in May as Memphis Barbecue Supply. We're going to have a great time down there. We're cooking everything, all the ancillaries, Uh the sauces. I've got some heavy hitters coming in. I brought some ringers in this time. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Yeah, we got the... uh, Brett and Brett and Ken from the State Cookoff Association, who run it, the State Cookoff Association, are going to cook my beef entry and my wing entry. Uh, We've got uh, Chris from Code 3 Spices up in uh, St. Louis. He's coming down and doing one of the sauce categories. Um, And we've got uh, Grill Grates. Uh, Michael, who's the chef over there at Grill Grates, he's coming on board and he's going to cook our exotic for us. Oh, man. And then uh, we're letting the ladies cook. We're going to have Scylla from the store, Scylla West. She's going to be cooking the seafood category. And then my in-law is cooking the chicken category so if you notice that theme there I'm gonna be organizing everything making sure little cats are in and herded in the right direction <laughs> Hurdled, herded with the same thing um, we're gonna make sure everybody's in line and good to go I've been charged with cooking the ribs on Saturday okay so I've got the main thing that's
5: that's your ex that's your wheelhouse I understand yeah, that
4: but we also got a couple groups coming through we have the Kingsford Tour champions we've got to entertain and uh, showcase all four and then we've got the uh, uh, cookers caravan that's all coming through so i'll be handling all those folks and uh, showing off everything that we got going on but uh, helping organize make sure the kitchen's up and going and and making sure these folks have a great time cooking i dropped by jimmy's booth
5: last year he was uh, smoking a cake as i said you need to try that he was also doing smoked mac and cheese and had some other things going and the wings i tried last year i don't know how you'll beat those this year because the wings that you guys did last year uh were fabulous so all of that's coming up uh just weeks away as uh, Memphis in May World Championship Barbecue Cook-On Contest is almost here. Now, Brad Orison with The Shed in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, is a friend of the show, and he's also a championship cooker when it comes to Memphis in May.
4: Definitely. And hopefully Brad has taken care of all the necessary paperwork to make sure he's in for the big event the next month.
0: I thought that Brooke had sent in our application, and she thought I did, so I was literally... (laughs) <laughs> running late this year, um, you know, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But, yes, the Shed team will definitely be representing at Memphis May.
4: So you guys have had great luck, not just luck. I mean, you do great product, but you've had great uh, experiences there at Memphis and May. Tell us about some of the past experiences there at Memphis and May.
0: You know, I filled out the application to get into Memphis and in May for four years before I finally got accepted to be able to compete amongst the big boys. Just that acceptance letter to say, hey, you're in, you're going to compete at Memphis and May about 10 years ago, that is still one of the most exciting. Exciting moments in my barbecue life. Then you add in actually winning or walking onto the stage. It's something that I strive for every year. We have had some great luck and some good product, apparently. We're one of the only teams that have won all the major categories. We took the world championship in beef, in poultry, whole hog, and the grand championship. And we've won the Booth category a couple years also.
4: And then last year you won the Kingsford uh, Tour Champions, if I'm not mistaken.
0: The Kingsford Tour Champions, I want to say four years running, and we've won it three out of four years.
5: Oh, wow. What do you like about competing in Memphis, maybe compared to other Contest,
0: Brad, what makes Memphis unique? Everything about Memphis. Beer, barbecue, and blues. That's pretty much what we do uh, at the shed every day. So it's laid back. You know, everybody's serious about partying. Everybody's serious about the competition. And everybody's serious about meeting people, getting out and about, trying new products. You know, just because you think you might have the best sauce or the best ribs. you got to go over and try the neighbors. So that's what I do, man. I love to go around and just eat. Eat and taste. That's the great thing about Memphis is all the food's really pretty dynamite. And it's like that at a lot of competitions, but it seems like at Memphis and people
4: up the game big time. At Memphis, May, you've got three categories you could have cooked for your main meat. You could have done ribs. You could have done butts. You could have done whole hog. And you guys have chosen whole hog to cook. What's so special about that big, beautiful whole hog? A whole
0: hog is hard to beat. We do the hog just because it's nostalgia. It's... It's something that we prep on Friday morning right after the meat inspection and, you know, take all the silver skin out and start, um, with a, uh, with a brine, a dry brine or some pink salt as we call it, and then we just go from there. You know, there's injections and seasonings, and we cook them on the robo-hog, which is a contraption that we invented to actually hold the hog standing in the upright position. When you see when you see that whole hog come out of that cooker, it is breathtaking. The garnish, the everything, you know, barbecue is a big, it, there's a lot of show involved, and at Memphis in May, you can put on the show, and the whole hog, in my opinion, that's the best the best way to start
4: everybody down there they've got these mechanical contraptions they've got computers they've got fans all this what are you cooking on
0: that's true you know at the shed every day we count on the product being exactly the same so we always run uh old hickory cookers in the barbecue joint but at Memphis and may we cook on an old school handmade stick burner <laughs> and it's a it's an old willis jeep is what we well, it's it's hard to explain but this it's an old willis jeep there's a wood firebox under the hood and then under the bottom of the jeep there's a charcoal pan that we run kingsford charcoal in so whenever we get the we do two 250 pound compart du rock hogs. so once we get the color right on these hogs you see that orangey reddish glow that's when we don't put any more wood in the firebox and we, oh, we continue to cook it with the charcoal. Everybody knows you eat with your eyes. you get got to have know. that appearance. <laughs> if, there was, if there was one tip I would say for a first-time competitor is, look, don't worry about tenderness. Worry about how it looks. The tenderness will come. You can always cook it longer or hotter and make it tender, but you can never repair the color if it gets too dark.
5: Now, that, that's great advice for, for a, a first-time competitor. And, Brad, you mentioned earlier in us talking that you applied four times until you finally got in so when you did finally get into Memphis in May and you were the new kid on the block and you're going up against some of the old mainstays, names we all recognize, first off, what was that like for you? And number two, how did they accept you, the new guy?
0: <laughs> I don't know if I've been accepted yet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, we accept you, Brad. Come on. Oh, okay,
0: good. I'm yeah, in. You're a friend in. of the show. <laughs> That's right. That is true. It is. It's nerve-wracking every year for me. Everybody's there. Everybody's... Out to win, you know. You look at people like Myra Nixon and Chris Lilly, uh, Pegleg Porker, Three Taxi Guys, Porkosaurus. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of people that are there to just put on the biggest show that they possibly can. So the nerves—I mean, I'm nervous just talking about it. I—I I usually don't get nervous, but when we pull up to Memphis and May, and you see that "Welcome to Memphis and May" banner. You're walking down that hill. I mean, there's... There's just no better feeling in the world. So it's it's nerve-wracking every year. And then you get to the award ceremony. I mean, you talk about nerves. I think that's why there's a lot of drinking, just so everybody chills out a little bit.
4: Your team, is. you mentioned it. You've you got your mom, your dad's usually there, your sister's there. So it's a family, plus your extended family of everybody who's cooking with you. But I think it was like three years ago, three taxi guys made finals. But unfortunately, you guys didn't. And next thing I know, I see Brooke and I see everybody going over there taking plants and helping. Helping him get spruced up and get ready to go to make finals, you're chipping in and helping your competitor who thirty minutes before you were going head to head against.
0: Yeah, we actually we took uh, we took fourth place that oh, year. Man. <laughs> so we were still in the top ten but we built a cooker for the three taxi guys, which is an old taxi cab that has this Lamborghini type door that opens and they cook the whole hog the same way. They actually competed with us for years um, before starting their own team. There's nothing better than to know the person that wins. I knew everybody that finaled, but everybody was prepared. Peg Lake Porker was in it that year. His hog, was he wasn't that happy with it, but it was still a final. It, it was still, he was in the finals. The three taxi guys, it had rained, so there's mud. The site's not, you know, it just needed help. Yeah. So, And then you had Myron Nixon in that year. And Myron's site was absolutely perfect. So we went over and laid out some carpet for the three taxi guys, covered up the mud hole, brought them some of our flowers and garnish that we had. You know, why not? It's finals. It's the biggest stage in barbecue. And, uh, and it really sets a precedent for the rest of the year. If you win Memphis in May, then you've got a chance to, to make that sweep and, you know, take the Royal, take the Jack, take World Food Championships, um, you know, I take Houston, Iowa Smokey D's. He's the only guy that I think can do it right now.
4: Now, is he coming down to Memphis this year?
0: I don't think so. Don't we need to get him on the phone and ask him because, I mean, if there is like a I've and I've had the – a great opportunity to judge um Darren on the one of the Kingsford imitational shows that we did years ago and his food is it is award winning it's I don't know how he's doing it but I hope he doesn't change it because he's helping the competition sport a barbecue just like we all are when we're out there competing talking about it buying sauces buying rubs um, you know, just supporting the game And I'm, I'm super proud of the extended family that we have All wrapped around one thing, and that's barbecue
5: You can learn more about The Shed Checking them out next month when they are here at Tom Lee Park Or you can find them online, theshedbarbecue.com Coming up, it's the
4: question of the week What's going on? And the recipe of the week is part of what we do every week here on The Rub On 600 WRC and 92.1 FM To the rub for those of you new to the show this is season two of the rub and every week we close with a question events happening and a recipe and you
5: could submit your questions on twitter just give us a follow at the rub podcast jimmy Loretta writes what do i need to do to my grill for spring it's been put
4: up for the winter well, well what, for, what, is, what does that mean putting up your grill I, for I, the winter i was about to say that first thing you need to do is actually use your grill yeah. during the winter
5: but, but a yeah. lot of folks don't it's cold you have holidays going on mm-hmm. and, and things happening and this is a common in question you pull the grill yeah. out what do you need to do i'm assuming this is a charcoal grill and not gas
4: well, let's let's quickly walk through the steps charcoal and gas so gas grill very important to check everything, your gas connections, make sure your rubber hose is not dry rotted over the winter. Of course, grills going to rust, but make sure your major things like your tubes down the bottom of your uh, your burners down the bottom of your grill have not rusted out totally because that could be another issue. The way to test the, everything up, get some soapy water and spray it on the hose, spray it on every connection that you see. If you see bubbles start popping up when you have get the gas turned on, that means you've got a leak there. Be good before you put your meat on that gas grill, go ahead, turn it on once you've checked everything and just burn it off Mm -hmm. now on the flip side charcoal grill you don't have the moving parts like you've got in a gas grill or a pellet grill but what you've got is sometimes you get mold treat your grill like an outdoor oven so get that thing hot burn all that off, scrape it off real good, and then once you've got everything scraped off, re-season and go ahead and grill and have fun with it. Now, you want to make sure also on a charcoal grill, you may have forgotten to leave that ash in the bottom of that grill. Well, ash is very corrosive once it gets wet, so you need to check and make sure all the old ash is out. You need to make sure that you've got it all cleaned out, and you'll notice sometimes that the rust starts there at that place where the ash was yep yep so you may have to get yourself a new bottom for your grill or new replacement part or you may just want to patch it up so check it over before you fire it up that first time again submit your questions for us on twitter at (music) the rub podcast
5: Each week, we look at various events and contests happening in the area. Jimmy, you were just telling me during the break all the different events. It is going to be a busy mid April weekend next week.
4: It is definitely. Well, April is one of the busiest cooking months around here in the Memphis area. The weather's warmed up, people are wanting to get out of the house. Of course, this year the weather's weird, but hey, we're gonna have fun with it. So next weekend, the weekend of April the 14th, man, get ready to start cooking. Uh, contest wise, around here in this area, the start okay. cook off association. Right. Uh, up in the um, Shelby Forest. They've yeah. got cooking in the forest. They've got a steak cook off up there. So Mercy. That's gonna be a fun time that up will there. Be. Uh, and then Kansas City Barbecue Society, close to us in Savannah, Tennessee. Okay. On the river, on the Tennessee River, they have the Tennessee River Barbecue Battle and Music Fest. Uh, last year, this was a Blues Hog Barbecue Contest. So I think those folks are still involved. They just kind of changed the name, but it's literally on a park right there, overlooking the Tennessee River. Oh, I bet that's beautiful. So as soon as you cross a bridge in Savannah, look to your right, and you'll see motorhomes. You'll see that smoke rolling over the river. So if you probably don't, be able to follow the smell, won't you? Yeah, yeah. just roll down the, <laughs> the windows and have fun. But it's a, it should be a great time over there in Savannah, Tennessee. Now, Memphis Barbecue Network, we're home in Memphis. Yep. So we got to talk about those folks. They have the Ham Jam. It's a barbecue contest in downtown Philadelphia, Mississippi. Okay, and it's going to be whole hog, shoulder, ribs, that kind of thing. But it's downtown, literally on the town square. They block off streets, they park the barbecue rigs down there, and they have a good time cooking. Ham jam, I Ham love that jam. name. So it's it's an arts festival, but they have a barbecue contest, of course, involved with that. Okay, now. Let's get out next weekend and eat. Okay, Um, I want to do that too. Now this is weird. This is—I don't think this ever really happened before. We're over in Square Crawfish Festival. And the Raging Cajun Crawfish Festival, which does lee happen on the same weekend. Usually it's different weekends. But this year, on the 14th, you get the Rage, you get the crawfish festival in Overton Square. So right. right there in that wonderful redone area that Bells has done a great job with, you can chow down on some crawfish. So it's a one-day free event, tons of crawfish, plus great music on two stages. 60 arts and craft vendors. So go down there and eat some crawfish there. But if you don't have your fill crawfish on Sunday, Monday, April fifteenth, the twenty sixth annual Raging Cajun Crawfish Festival benefiting Portaleth. Now, Portaleth is a great charity here in Memphis. Sure, absolutely. And it's a great event. They always do downtown on the river by AutoZone headquarters, right there. It's it's a massive amount. They do seventeen thousand pounds of crawfish. That's a lot of crawfish. So, and there's all kinds of events going on. But there's crawfish eating contests, there's music, there's there's vendors, but the biggest thing down there for me as a cooker, they got a gumbo festival. We've won. I've won it before. Mm-hmm. And it's been a great event, and I'm not going to go cook this year, but I may have to go down there and visit some of our teams that are cooking or some of our barbecue teams who are down there cooking and having fun at this event.
5: All kinds of things going on next weekend, including crawfish. Crawfish is one of my weaknesses. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And next weekend will be big. So get out there and enjoy the events that are happening. Because we want you to be a better cook, we offer a recipe every week that you can try out to impress your family, friends, neighbors. This week, it's all about Ribs.
4: Yeah, we're going to start the year off with ribs. And All the reason, right. And the reason I'm doing this is we've got a class next weekend at the store, and it's the rib class. Okay. So basically, I'm going to send one well, hour long class. I'm going to just kind of nail down in about two to three minutes. So get your stop stopwatch ready. You ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Three, two, one. No, I'm not counting down. <laughs> I I'm, know I'm, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying there is, it's it's a nice principle for a backyard cook to learn how to do ribs. Okay. Three hours of smoke two hours wrapped up in full and then one hour back on the grill. Right Now, I saw something on Twitter the other day, and I'm not going to mention who the cook was who, who, who bashed 321. 321 is a gateway to show you how to cook ribs. Now, you're going to take that recipe and you're going to tweak it and make it your own. The first three hours you can put those ribs onto the smoker at 225, that's where it's going to get the color. That's where it's going to get uh, from the smoke and get that nice mahogany color outside. That's where the cooking process is going to start. And the first three hours, before you even put the ribs on there, I'm going to rub it down and put it on my smoker, 225, and let it go. That second portion, the two hours wrapped in tinfoil. This is a place where you can add layers of flavor. You can add more brown sugar if you got sweet tooth, honey. Uh, I actually heard somebody, you've ever heard of the soft drink called Sundrop? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, there was one barbecue team that's out there traveling and winning on the circuit who pours sundrop when they wrap up their ribs in tinfoil. Never With, heard
5: of that. I've heard of apple juice. I yeah. use a little bit of apple juice in mine when I do that, but, but this sundrop. Is, wow. This, yeah,
4: I'm going to try that. But this is a place where you can add whatever flavor. If you want some heat to it, take some tiger sauce and go. Psh, psh, psh. And just hit some tiger sauce on those ribs and just uh, add whatever flavors you want to. This is also a place where these ribs are going to braise and they're going to start uh, really getting tender right here. Mm-hmm. So, the two hours, what, instead of just leaving them there for two hours, go check it about every hour to see how those ribs are starting to pull back from the bone, see how they're starting to really get nice and tender. And when they, you pick it up with a tongue, pick up that rack of ribs, and it's a bending and it's you can start seeing it start cracking. Go ahead and pull that off. Now, are we leaving the grill at 225 when they're wrapped in this aluminum foil? Well, you can play with it. You can stay 225. That's where I like to stay. But if you want to speed up the process, you can crank it up a little bit hotter, 250, 275. Stay below 300 degrees, though. You've got sugar in there. You don't want to burn that sugar up. Also, at the wrap portion, whatever color those ribs were, when you put those in the wrap is what color they're going to stay. So you kind of want to look at the first three hours and see that beautiful mahogany color. When it hits that color, you don't want to get any darker. Wrap it. Now, then that last hour, you pull it out of the aluminum yes. foil. You put it
5: back on the smoker. Mm-hmm. Is anything important going on right now? I, I guess I think
4: of like people who like wet ribs. Yeah. This is where you make them wet So this is or the, muddy? Muddy. <laughs> this is a place where you can glaze the ribs. Two things you're doing here. You're tightening up the ribs a little bit because so they're going to be really loose coming out of the tinfoil. You're going to tighten them up a little bit, and then this is where you can glaze it and put that beautiful barbecue sauce or glaze on there to set that color to be good to go. All right. You can follow us on Twitter. And if you do, we'd love to
5: see pictures of what you're smoking or cooking, whether it be ribs, barbecues, steaks, even hot dogs, whatever it is. Follow us at The Rub Podcast. And with that, Jimmy,
4: episode one of season two in the books. Man, first one of season two. I can't believe it. Hey, Myron, we ran out of time again. Uh, We'll hopefully catch you next episode. But thank you guys for tuning in and listening with us. And uh, season two, let's roll with it. You can
5: listen to The Rub on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Google Play. You can also hear it Saturday afternoons at 3 on 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Like The Rub on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Just search at the Rub podcast. The Rub is a production of Memphis Barbecue Supply, Good Media, and 600 WREC and 92.1 FM.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
4: Lucky? In line at the deli,
1: I guess? ha! in my dentist's office.